Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk with my co-host Glenn and Darcy. This is Aurelien. Uh, so today we're going to discuss value-add strategies. Um, investing in real estate involves um, sometimes, often, you know, when you do it professionally, a business plan and with the, the, the idea of uh, increasing the value of the assets you purchase. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm going to get started. I'm going to get the show started today. So the concept you, I, I thought of right away when I, when I thought of value-add strategies is the concept of BRRRR, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. Um, this is a very um, popular concept in um, real estate investing, and, and it's a strategy I've applied uh, on different properties. Um, you buy... Uh, properties that have very low rents and uh, are not really nice looking so basically as tenants move out you in increase the value of the building by improving the the the, the units and redoing renovating the inside and then you can uh, rent out for for a little more money i like to keep my rent a little below market uh, so that they keep uh, they stay um, occupied uh, other strategies can be to buy with high vacancy um, buy on a large lot of land and expand or redevelop later on um, yeah that's something I, I i'm looking at doing or buy a large space for example in commercial like a large industrial um, property and then subdivide it into micro units for uh, smaller tenants and um, it's a good way to uh, average risk to because um, that way you have more tenants and then you know vacancy is going to affect you less so that's uh, another way of uh, adding adding value because then you can charge also a little bit more rent compared yep. to a larger space so that would be my contribution glenn what do you have Sure. So I made a list, but I'm going to try and make it not come off as a list. And like, um, if you listen to our podcast last week, we were talking about secondary suites. So there's one right off the bat um, that you instantly can make generate some extra money out of there. Um, and it actually will increase the value of the property by having a secondary suite. Um, one idea that I actually got from when I was at the London Creative Meetup, not to do too much name dropping, but it was an in-person meetup. And when we were, I was there, there was a guy and what he did was try to find like hoarder houses. And all he did was get, uh, pay a kid, like, you know, when minimum wage to clean the whole thing out into dumpsters and then you just resell it. That's it. <laughs> that was it. And then you could make huge amounts of money because, um, Typically, people who have a hoarder house are a little embarrassed by it um, and will usually are willing to realize that they're not at market value. And yeah, that's all he would do is just wow. get it emptied out and get and that's do the thing. Brilliant. I was like, that's a great idea. Um, the, I think the biggest one for value add strategies, if you're trying to add value, make this house worth more, because that's really what we're trying to do, make more than what you bought it for, is to just buy it right. If you bought something undervalued, you're instantly of added value. You, you have equity built in when you bought the property. Um, some of the tricks that I've done, uh, and I, I made a little list, but I, I'm probably missing like a lot because uh, that's what our whole game plan is when we're doing, maybe, especially single family homes, uh, is 
one of the ones we converted garages into bedrooms. And in Canada, that's like a huge faux pas. But in the States, even still, when I was getting my property comped out, they were saying, yeah, there's three houses on, on that road that they've done exactly the same. They've turned a 3-1 into a 4-1, which kind of seems silly. That's a weird mix. But they've turned the garage into another bedroom. When you have um, a four-bedroom, it rents for a lot more money than a three-bedroom right um and when you go to sell it it comps out against four bedrooms um they have to be around the same square footage but um yes they do lose their garage but uh depending what market you're in sometimes there is um no true value to the garage for comps but there's a value to the tenant to store their stuff for the garage mm -hmm. so it, it's about a little bit about knowing your market and if that's a common place to do it um, what we just did in uh, Fairborn, Ohio, we converted an attic into, um, what do you call that? I did it in my head and I just wrote pre-convert attic on my sheet, but um, a loft. And so um, when you do that, the trick is that it's considered, uh, if you go to rent it, you could like, if it's truly a three, like a lot, I buy a lot of three ones. So now as a rental, you can classify it as a four one, but when you sell it on the MLS, it's still a three one. It won't count that. So you put three one with a loft. Um, but for advertising, uh, you can advertise it as a fourth bedroom. It's a legal bedroom. It has a, a window, it has a closet, but it's not truly a bedroom per MLS standards. But when you want to comp it out for people who have those extra kids or whatever, that's a spot to put them, right? Um, so it has value there. Um, we converted a back porch. It was already an enclosed back porch. We were doing a full electrical rewire and plumbing rewire. So I'm like, hey, we're going to open this up anyway. Why not run the HVAC a little bit farther into the porch, winterize the porch, and uh, just basically redo it, right? New windows and uh, new electrical, and boom, you have another bedroom. So when you actually go to that one, the MLS will count that bedroom because it's a legal, real bedroom. Um finding room to add a bathroom or a bedroom. Right now, I just bought uh, a fourplex in Toledo. And that's the thing. We're like, okay, we, it's a 5,200 5, square foot property fourplex. And right now it's two bedroom, one bath for two units and one bedroom, one bath for two units. I'm like, based on this square footage, there's room to get another bedroom in these, right? So I can make them two, all of them, two ones. So that's the goal. Make them two ones. Um, sometimes uh, adding a powder room. I've seen some really creative stuff. I've seen some other people's rental properties, bottoms of, if there's no basement, but there's the staircase to go up. Sometimes in the behind it, you can have like a, a yep. little tiny toilet and sink. And you know what? That counts as a, a half bath, right? Um, so you can slip these in and really ends of hallways that don't make any sense that go nowhere. So sometimes there's a, the bedroom and then there's you know, another, the hallway continues to go nowhere, right? And you could slip a bed, uh, a bathroom in that spot, right? So depending on the square footage, you might even be able to add a tub and you have a full uh, other bathroom. Um, I'm trying to think, I've, I've added uh, bathrooms. I've actually found bathrooms. We had, we had a property that there was, um, my, my contractor was looking at the walls and they're like, this doesn't make sense. There's like a, there must be a hidden room or something because it doesn't, you know they're looking at it like it does there's there's space here they're like call me up permission to tear to smash a hole in the wall yeah yeah go for it let's see what's in there they're like call me back they're like i had them on the phone they're like there's a there's a powder room in here it's totally drywalled in 
And I'm wow. like, why the hell would they do that? So it's part of my language, but um, it turns out that it was because they wanted to put the fridge where the doorway was on the other side. So this got rid of the bathroom. That's <laughs> which crazy. Is, which is insane. You should add another doorway on the other side, but maybe the layout didn't make sense. But we rejigged it back the way it used to be and got an extra bathroom. But adding bathrooms and bedrooms um, are going to add value to your to your properties. Um, what we do on anything that's multifamily is we separate the utilities out. Um, I don't want to be paying utilities. I've done this in Canada where I had a multifamily that I was paying all the utilities. I separate the utilities on every project now. I don't want that. I just, just, I know that Darcy, I think has one that you, you pay the utilities on. I just don't want anything to do with it. I had one where the water bills got out of control. The water was leaking under the, under, in the backyard and they just didn't bother to tell me because they didn't care because it wasn't their bill. Um, and all of a sudden I got ridiculous bills, right? Electrical bills, uh, um, air conditioning bills. And I just, I separate utilities, which adds value. Um, and it's more for the sale and sometimes the refi, they'll, they'll see value in it, but people buying it definitely see value because they see it more as a downside that they have to pay the utilities. Oh um, yeah. And another thing I've done is fix property lines. Um, by moving property lines to where they should be, just getting a survey done, talking to a neighbor, buying land off a neighbor, just a sliver um, to make it legal <laughs> the way it should be. Um, in the States, some, we are having, sometimes there's clouded title. People can't sell these properties um, like through like the typical lending process, like the FHA loans, a lot of, it doesn't qualify for a lot of the programs because the property line touches the house or is too close to the house and they won't lend on it. So you have to use like third-party lending. So by open fixing that, you open it up to typical lending that anyone could get to rent this. And that yep. adds value. The more people that have the ability to buy that house, the more valuable it is. That, wow. I think that's my list. Wow. That's a, oh, that's a lot of value. Yeah, that's huge. Okay, I went off on a different tangent. I thought, what if you already had something? How could yeah. you add, you know, more value to that? And we had an opportunity in Ontario. I've been fascinated with um, electricity. My father was an electrician, so we would buy uh, Mother Earth News. We had a subscription to that for a decade when I was a kid, and I'd pour through it trying to imagine uh, off-grid housing and solar panels and run of river generation and all this other business. So when we had a chance, when we were in Ontario, we had um, that microfit program that was offered through uh, the Dalton McKinty government. Yep. Um, now it's not available to most uh, people, but at that time, uh, if you could get a permit, get in the wait list and had a viable project, you could get um, uh, hooked up to Ontario Hydro and provide electricity to the grid. So we had two buildings with, in Windsor with perfectly aligned roofs that no, you know, nobody could see. You got a big blank roof, uh, fourteen thousand square feet of roof, south uh, facing. <laughs> and it's perfect. So we approached uh, four different companies, and the original quotes were like half a million dollars, and Ooh. that didn't make any sense. But the industry got more and more efficient and more and more competitive, and we ended up uh, fronting the money. One of the partners fronted one hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars. We had it built. And then we, our refinance was only 16 months away. So it took about that long to get it rebuilt, rolled it in and demonstrated about three months of generating profit and the engineer's uh, um, uh, projections and a 20-year contract with Hydro One. It uh, pays us on average every year, depending on the cloud cover and the sunshine between 22 and $24,000 a year, it takes virtually no maintenance. We have a service contract that takes a, I think we pay $500 a month to service them. They clean them, they check the inverters, 
and we just get the checks deposited directly from Hydro One into our account. Uh, now, people said, how long is their solar going to last? Well, it's up there nine years and they pay. They never, we have to have to take them to court. There's no rental rental thing. You know, God provides the sunshine and Hydro One provides the check. And that's an easy check. To, I don't even have to cash. It's direct deposit. We just account for it on our balance sheet and distribute the funds. Um, I'm, I'm, I just think that's the, the easiest one. We had two other permitting processes in when that government fell and uh, the deal changed. Now, I think unless you are an institutional investor, uh, First Nations uh, group and some other targeted uh, partners there, you can't get in on it other than a small scale. It's like a house. But um, that one I felt just great about because it, um, it was almost like free money. Uh, we we finance well, the the solar, but um, it doesn't hurt anybody. And we actually, in fact, are helping the Ontario uh, citizens with providing uh, more than twenty thousand kilowatt hours of uh, electricity a year. So that was that was a beauty. I love that one. Yeah, um, another one, you know, Glenn touched on it. You know, in the sense of uh, single family homes, but when we buy apartments, we're looking for uh, constantly. They were very inefficient the way they built them in the seventies or at different times or different purposes, largely inefficient. And they would build just because of the structure of the house, build a giant bedroom that's 20 feet long. Um, who needs a 20 foot long bedroom? You could put two king size beds in here. It ends up looking like a hotel room, but if there's another way into that room and it has a window and you can put a closet, it's definitely a bedroom, a second uh-huh. bedroom. Yeah. And the difference there is maybe a hundred dollars a month, but a hundred dollars a month is $1,200 a year. And at a four cap, you're adding somewhere close to $50,000 of building value just by putting a drywall wall in a closet and a door. Um, it's how, did, uh, how did your solar panels uh, affect your value of your property? Because, you know, you guys go write some net operating income, right? Yeah, we could just track back to that. Um, when we did an appraisal, they didn't know what to do with it. The guy went, ah, should I include it? I said, why wouldn't you? It's money. It's easy profit. 20 grand. We're talking at a four cap. He said, well, it's you had to pay for that improvement. You paid 150 grand for that improvement. That's right. So he did a discounted cash flow on it. He said, listen, it's only going to run for another. At that time, we did the appraisal at, uh, at 19 years. We did it again for refinance and when we were at 15 years left or 14 years left. And then we sold the property um, and the realtor didn't really know what to do with it. I don't know how they measured it. Internally, we said, well, it's a discounted cash flow because it's going to term out in uh, 20... We got another, what, 11 years? So it's 2031 so, or 2032. So it's you're not going to run forever. At that point, it's going to have to be renegotiated. Um, yeah. You know, it just, it becomes just a simple calculation. But that was, yeah, I felt awesome about that. It's just easy money. Would, would, you, would you say it, sorry, would you say it made $150,000 value to the property? Um, well, it's the thing is, it's going to only run for sorry, 20 right. years. So you can't say it's forever. But it certainly yeah. adds cash flow. So we added yeah. a, um, a calculation said it's going to go for this long. And at this point, I did when I said for sales value, I just put it to put it as part of the net operating. It said, here, yeah. you calculate out, you say what it's worth. But we added it into the value and we got more than we projected. So we were happy with it when we sold it. Uh, we're still in the process of uh, assigning it to the vendor. So we've been collecting the money and sending the money to the vendor because they're just really slow in getting their work done. What type of roof names, is underneath? Pardon? What type of roof is underneath? Flat roof. It's a, a two-ply torch-on roof with a 30-year warranty. 
Because sometimes I was wondering, is, does it protect the roof and then you threw it? Does it increase? Some guys have complained about it, you know, but it is on a on they're on concrete, those little poured concrete uh, forms with on an aluminum frame that that uh, sit into those forms, and then they're tied down, they're wired down. You do got things sitting on your roof, but all kinds of things sit on roofs. So, um, uh, what are those cellular towers? Um, we were we were okay with it. We service we have our roofs inspected annually, and the guy who put the roof on uh, would go up and check it over and look at it and say, "Yeah, we'll do this little seam sealing here." And we got a little bit of wind abrasion there when the granular cap gets um, pecked at or water sitting on it and ponding. But I was good. With, I was good with it. But you wanted a new roof before you put that on because you don't want to touch those things for what really we didn't have a new roof we put it on top of an old roof and then we moved it unplugged it moved it re-roofed and put it back so we (laughs) blew off had to change the roof but i wasn't going to undo the solar so we undid it for what uh just over two months moved it around pay extra money for the moving the racking around but needed a roof so you know you do anything what about some other value add strategies? Like you're a, a multifamily investor, so there's got to be ways to improve your net operating income. Oh yeah, all the usual ones. <laughs> like control your water. Um, these are some things that are really inefficient buildings. So we look at inefficient buildings, and you see a, a inch and a half or a two inch water pipe coming in from the city. Back in the '70s when they built this, nobody was thinking about conserving water, and they weren't even metering it. But at some point, they put a meter on it. And they went, well, how are we going to charge for metering? Well, let's do, uh, for every two inch service, we'll charge $600 a month for what inch and a half service. We'll call it charge $300 a month. Do you need two inch service? No, it's just what's there. So one of the quick things we do is we find out right away what the charge is for the metering. And we did Ah. this year, change the service up from two inch to inch and a half, save yourself. And this is the way they meter it. It's $300 per month in. And then the easy way is, well, what are we going to charge for sewer? $300 a month out plus the volume that we're metering. So they charge 300 in 300 out at $600. If you change it to a inch and a half water line service, it goes to 300 in and 300 out. You just cut it in half. That is difference in, you know, it's $3,600 a year difference. Just changing your meter. It cost about $700 to change the meter. That was it. So 3,600 doing quick calculation. Yeah. Four cap is a seventy-two thousand dollar building value, just by changing out the meter for seven hundred bucks. It's there's a quick easy one. Let's do it. Control your water costs and save water because everyone's metering it now. If you're in the prairies, it's dry. They're charging. Make sure your meters are properly sized. You don't need two inch. You're not running a commercial greenhouse. You're running a multi-res. Um, some other ones. Uh, all these buildings are very very inefficient. And putting in another bedroom, so long as it has a window and a closet and a door is an easy one. We had a large, uh, four large studios at Columbus on uh, 82nd in Edmonton. And my, we were looking at them and they were ugly. They were built poorly and, you know, just a long tunnel and really unattractive. But um, my, it was my wife's idea. She said, well, why wouldn't we make this an open concept kitchen? And then she said, and we could put barn doors on this and create a bedroom out of this. And rather than having a closed wall, we could have barn doors that three of them that slide panels over against the one side. So you'd have a wide open bedroom, but you could close it off. So it functionally becomes a single bedroom rather than an open concept uh, studio. Um, we marketed it a one bedroom. It's open. It looks like a loft. It's very 
urban. So we've called this the urban Karen because um, <laughs> her name's Karen. And she's proud of it as an investor. She loves it that we took her idea and ran with it. And, and But we were able to go from a studio that we were renting that was ugly renting for five Five fifty, five seventy-five a month. We're renting a one bedroom at seven twenty-five. It cost us money to do the job, but it's now starts at seven twenty-five, and they're renting closer to eight seventy-five, nine hundred now. And three years later, um, it was a really big win for us because we solved an ugly problem with something elegant that's very attractive. They come on the market, they're gone. We've turned them over, I think, about three times in three years, so it's a good deal. I mean, I think it's just creative problem solving, reimagining. Uh, the final one I'll be real quick is when we find these buildings, they often built large storage areas for nothing. Why am I storing anything in my building? I have some managers that want to keep everything. I don't. First thing I do is get rid of everything in the building and clean it up. I don't want garbage for bugs and pests and mice and whatever else. I empty the buildings and I find giant rooms. I get permits and I turn them into, if it's possible, if they're above grade and they've got windows and they're safe and they've got egress. Um, I'll turn them into another studio. And that's pretty common to do without permits, but doing it with a permit is a little more expensive. But then it's for real value. Then you sell that building, you actually have 22 suites, not 21 with one illegal non-conforming. So I make them conforming, I make them safe um, so I can legitimately see the whole value. But those are a couple of our top Top if it rooms. was below grade, would it made sense to like do like a chain link and like rent it to tenants to store their stuff? We've made storage rooms for bike storage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and charge an extra, you know, 25 or $30 a month for storage because everybody's got more stuff than they can fit in their spaces. That's yeah. why most of the garages in North America are full with garbage and the cars sit in the street. Got a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those are so, uh, we've made bike storage spaces uh, with charging because electric bikes and scooters, we've made scooter parking and charged for that as well. And that's a, a, a small thing because someone's got to pay the hydro for charging those scooters. So it's yeah. coming. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, we're well, another episode packed with information. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you um, uh, everybody for your contributions. And uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As usual, feel free to send us your question if you want them tackled during um, uh, our show. At you can send them to uh, advanced real estate talk, advanced rei talk at gmail.com. It's advanced rei talk at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to cover them during the show. Thanks for tuning in. Beautiful. See you, everybody. Thanks, guys.